and the lady was doing the tarot cards this will happen to you and you'll meet this person and so on and so forth in January and then she'd do February and then she'd do March and then she got to April and her face just went blank and I thought, oh, what's happened there? You know, she's kind of scary. She's telling you your future, and you don't want her to go blank at you. And she's just like, I, and she said to me, and I remember that she goes, I can't, I can't touch this. It's going to happen in April. And she just basically sort of didn't leave it there, but sort of just weaseled out of telling me what was going on. I, I personally, in the back of my head, thought, am I going to die mm-hmm. in April? Uh, in April, I, um, an ex-girlfriend of mine came around to the house, and she'd given her life to Christ, and she invited me to church. And... Uh, when I went to church, I blacked out, completely passed out in church and started going crazy. And I had a real experience, a real spiritual experience. I was shaking. I was all over the place. And, and uh, the guy at the front told me I was meeting Christ. I was meeting the Holy Spirit. And what uh, I'd been dealing with didn't really like being in there. And I was all confused and uh, eventually gave my heart to Jesus and it all went away. And it, re- it dawned on me that that April, she couldn't touch it because she couldn't touch the power of Christ. And she could what she was doing. Yes, it was spiritual, but it couldn't compare to the authority of Christ. Mm. She wasn't going to start telling God what to do, mm. and so she didn't really have any power over. It. And it dawned on me that I'd found the ultimate power in the universe. You know that is fascinating that uh, she didn't know what was happening in April. Uh, I had a chance to chat to a clairvoyant who became a Christian recently. Mm. I actually preached at a church, and she gave a heart to the Lord. But she said, she said, uh, I had the counterfeit. And now I have the real thing. And she actually can prophesy now quite accurately because of the Holy Spirit. And it's fascinating, you know, that there's that's that's just the dodgy version, that's the devil's version, and and they couldn't match what was happening in April. So I'd just love to hear a bit more of of this uh, church event that you went to because, you know, I'm an evangelist. I love seeing people come to Christ. What what, was there a a message that was preached or like what kind of church was it? How did it happen? Uh, It was a, a church at the time called Auckland City Elam, it was 1988. And um, there was a pastor called David Peters, uh, who I didn't know at the time. And well, like I said, he preached a message and got up and s- he made a joke. It wasn't a very good one, to be honest. But everyone, you know, they always laugh at the pastor. Oh, you're so funny, pastor. Ha, ha, ha. Is that why they laugh? Just, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. You're not oh, funny, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break it, break it to you. Oh. <laughs> but he, he uh, the last thing I remember him saying is, you're, you're laughing now at that joke, but I don't think you'll be laughing by the end of it. And I was gone. I couldn't tell you what wow. he said. He preached. I couldn't really tell you, wow. to, to be honest with you. So, And what changed in your life after that? Well, this was... Oh, God revealed himself to me in a very powerful, powerful way after that. I woke up the next morning, because obviously it was Sunday. It was Monday morning. Time to go to work. And I'm lying there going, I guess I'm a Christian now I don't know really what to do and this was really strange to me so I prayed by myself and just went okay God I I don't know this I don't know what you have to do and what I you know just show me what to do or else I, I don't know if I'm even going to you know what is the you know what's the steps I have to take I got into my car and I started going for work and that was my prayer and I got in the car and I drove down the road now years ago when I was a little fester yeah you know, little kid I was graffitiing on bus stops that same bus stop that I graffitied on freshly painted and I kid you not freshly painted because I pulled the car over was a big follow Jesus I stopped the car I touched the paint it was green paint my second name's green I don't know what there's anything in that but anyway (laughs) and it just said follow Jesus and that was like the biggest answer to prayer to me that's all you have to do Mm. just follow Jesus Mm. and and uh 
basically that's been my go just let's just follow Christ and sometimes mm. you know you go to all sorts of places you get it right sometimes you mess it up it's a daily thing mm. and it's the way it goes from there on in big stuff and tell me about your career back then what were you doing and what kind of jobs did you get into after that sure well, when I did that I was 18 years old and I was I I left school when I was 16 I just went from job to job to job I really couldn't find it because ultimately I wanted to be a, a drummer in a band and my band was recording albums and things like that and I was still in the band when I gave my heart to Christ and I was still in there for a while and I, because it was just a learning step getting discipled and going on like this and so um, I was I think I was a food courier at that time dropping around people's food and all this sort of stuff uh, so that was an amazing transition but really, you know, my heart was to do music and things like this. And eventually it came to the point where, I, you know, a few years down the line, I, the band that I was in, the, I was in there with my cousins. It was a big band in New Zealand that became very famous. But I had to leave it yeah. because I thought, well, there's too much compromise going on in what I'm trying to become. And, and if I want to be legit about it, I might have to make a few sacrifices. Yeah. And... Uh, so I, I, I said to God, I love music. You know, you've given, I, I believe you've given me the heart to, for music at the time, but I'm going to lay it down for you. And, and I left the band. It was a very hard thing to do. And it was a hard thing to do because I realized that was my identity. That's who I identified myself as. And to, you're basically taking the first step to lose your identity. Um, and from there, uh, God really honored that. Um, I met, I was some Christians we started playing in Christian bands I thought that's cool and I started playing in some Christian festivals and it was great and yeah, it was good you know and then the bands came back and it was great meantime the band that I was in uh, before they got very famous in New Zealand they got number one hit who was it? Uh, the band called Push Push. I thought you were going to say Split Ends or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they wouldn't have me. Uh, and so, you know, they got famous. They got number one hit. I, I think they even played on Hey Hey at Saturday over here. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, and I was kind of like, I was probably in the back of my head, to be honest with you, a bit bumming, like, wow, they've really taken off. But I've, here I am just, that's cool. I'll just play in little Christian bands in New Zealand. Um, year after year after year did this. And then all of a sudden, um, the guitarist in my band, he was telling me about a guy called David Pierce who is in Amsterdam. He's an American living in Amsterdam and he was coming to speak and preach at a music festival that we were playing at and he was really excited and he, he was sort of saying, I'd love to work with him. And I met this guy, David Pierce, and he sat down and we were talking and um, he had long hair like I did at the time. I actually had hair then. Uh, long hair and he's, he's you know, dressed like we were and he was an older, older than I am sort of a guy and he had a real heart to say, um, let's, it's great that you want to be a Christian musician, but let's use this as an evangelistic tool. And that was really my heart to see all my friends one for Christ. And uh, he wasn't about playing in churches. It was about, or Christian festivals. It was about, let's go be in the world. Don't be of the world. Let's, but the, the, I think as Christians, a lot of people think, man, I'm not going to be of the world. But they don't balance it out with being in the world. And that was the whole go. So... Uh, Long story short, he said, you should come over and uh, play drums in the band. And so my wife and the, I got married eventually, obviously, yeah, yeah. to my beautiful wife, Lindley. We met at church when I was 18. We got married when I was 22. That was 92 we got married. And so just after we got married, Lindley and I, uh, we went over with the band that was playing at the festival to go play on what they called uh, the, the Steiger Boat in Amsterdam. And the Steiger Boat's uh, right in the red light district uh, kind of, area just behind central station a lot of drugs a lot of stuff and we did a uh, a missions trip there for a month and it was a training program there kind of a 
your uh, YWAM discipleship training program. And so we went over there, DTS kind of styles, and we started doing radical outreach to the street punks and the prostitutes and the drug druggies down there and i've got crazy stories from those times my first job there at the church boat which is the nightclub boat was we were about to play but i was had i had to be the bouncer so anybody who bought a knife or anything into the boat i had to disarm them and a lot of guys didn't want to be disarmed and was like this is mad dude but uh we had people trying to uh, mug us and stuff every night we'd have to leave central station to go to where we were staying and we experienced a lot of stuff but ultimately we experienced God's hand and security and we saw that that was something for us at that time and it was a beautiful beautiful thing to be a part of and that just grew from there yeah we came back and we uh, we joined the big group as it were and we started a a um, outreach in New Zealand when we got back in the universities because mm-hmm. the university campuses were massive and we started a um, a Bible study there that uh, was evangelistic so we'd have cafe nights and bands would play and then would have speakers speak and would just stand up there and would have you know university types a lot of atheist conversation which I love I think if you know Christ you should have no logic because mm. I think God is uh, so many areas so logical there's there's a step of faith that we can't fathom mm. absolutely but the way he's created the universe and the way that we are it, I think everything points to God really if you really look to it and so we had these great debates you know how universities can be mm. some will stand up and yell and you you, you mm. yell back to them and, and it's good mm. you know and it's really good so we saw a lot of great things there it was a big learning curve mm. um, and then from there uh, did that for a few years and then from there, uh, David invited me to play in, in his band, which was No Longer Music, and to, re- to really join the ministry there. Mm-hmm. So um, No Longer Music is um, what they call a punk opera, and it's a punk band, hard rock, heavy metal band, that uh, presents the gospel in nightclubs and festivals, uh, secular festivals. And it starts from the creation and goes all the way to the resurrection. Amazing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, a very powerful, powerful tool to be used. Mm-hmm. Tell me a bit about uh, your uh, start in radio. How did you get into radio after all that? After we did that, we were touring uh, many, many times. And again, like a, if I take you back to the point where I said, oh, God, I'm going to give up the drums and I left that band, God really gave it back to me because by the, by the end of it, we'd been around the world four times, playing nightclubs all over the places, massive places. We played in Prince's nightclub. Um, in Minneapolis and, wow. and opportunities I would never have had wow. ever have had but God gave it back in such an amazing way I, had, I wasn't ready for it I was going wow that when I look back it was great mm. we we got asked to um, plant a, a a church we took some time off when we weren't touring in um, Singapore just my wife and I mm-hmm. so when we weren't touring um, we spent a few years in Singapore planting a church and I started the the, the, the church was Church of Our Saviour and they wanted to fund us to help reach the youth. And they said, please help us do that. And I said, well, who are the youth? And they didn't know, really. So we just spent a month on the streets just talking to people and finding out what the need was. And there was a lot of Muslims uh, who were there, uh, and they're punks. And they're in bands. There's lots of mini bands. But the problem for them, there was nowhere to play. And so I said, um, we thought, well, that's that's the way in. And so I, we approached a one of the men I think I knew at church. He was a Christian. Uh, he has a karaoke bar. And I said to him, can we use your karaoke bar uh, to, you know, put these concerts on? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I think we'll get a few people. And then, and there's like, you know, 20 people in this karaoke bar. Then the first night of the first gig, we had to turn away 150. There was just yeah. too many people. Mm-hmm. So what would happen is the bands would play there and 
and now we just let them go for it. Go for it. Have a raucous time. It's a safe time. It's a great place. And we called the the nightclub core core because they like hardcore music. But at the same time, it wasn't just about the core of the music. It was about the core of the person. Mm. And and then so we'd do that, and then we would have um, Bible studies on the Wednesday. Yep. And we invite everybody to come so if you're part of core you're part of the bible study they come to that and Mm. then we'd we'd start a little magazine they call it a zine and it's just for uh the guys who come to the club Mm. and then we put articles in it and if you know i don't know if you know the hardcore scene there's lots of different areas of doing it and there's one called straight edge straight edge are uh, people who are genuinely punks they're not christians or anything but they don't have sex they don't drink they don't do drugs and they they keep a clean life that's why they call them a straight edge and we'd put articles in there like jesus gives you reason to be straight edge and 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 so you you start speaking a language you start seeing people in that group start to come to christ and understand it and all the christians who were there really took a stand it was a really amazing amazing time and um to see it now so we really did all that stuff around about sort of around about 97 I came back from there and my wife and I we were quite exhausted because basically our married life we were doing this stuff and it was it was an era for us that was beautiful and it was time for us to stop and um, I started to work in radio at a radio Rima in New Zealand, in Auckland. Actually, it was Life FM, but it was the Rima, under the Rima blanket. And my mate was doing talk back, mm-hmm. and I was just, just answering the phones. And then, didn't take me long, I was on there with him. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't take them long to say, hey, let's do, why don't you do breakfast? So I did the breakfast show, and I started in Rima. And there I am in radio. That's my first paid <laughs> gig in radio. Let's run through all of your stations, because I've had a little bit of a snapshot of where you've been. So, okay. uh, so you're at Rima, New Zealand, with Life. Yes. Um, let's run through your list of stations you've been at. Okay, <laughs> Life FM was my first radio gig, yeah. well, paid radio gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Life FM, I went to Rima Geelong mm-hmm. was there for a while a couple of years did breakfast there from Rima Geelong uh, I went for a one month division yeah. mm-hmm. filled in for breakfast and from there I actually got a, a commercial gig with one of my mates who used to work at 96.5 mm-hmm. and we started a, a group called the Benchwarmers and to be I thought to be good at radio and Heath did as well we've got to learn from you know the commercial sector we 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 loved radio we were okay at it we wanted to learn the nuts and bolts of it so we started with cfm Mm -hmm. and at at that time i think it was rg capital network Mm -hmm. and um we did nights there and then they offered us a network drive show around about 80 stations right around australia so i couldn't tell you i was on hot fm and gold fms and all the fms i don't know you know all around we're in perth we're in other cities and it was a great great experience for years and years and years to learn how to network a show and it went crazy at one stage we had four million listeners every day and so you'd do a news story and nine out of ten times the people in the news story would be one of your listeners and they'd ring up and it was amazing and we saw the power of radio now the secular side of radio is pretty crazy I can tell you that we saw a lot of craziness and there was some times then where we'd had to really pull together and go mate this is you know we got to really it's hard to stand strong but you did and and, well not every time I'm sure God would have debate with that we'd have to okay we've got to (laughs) sort it out but it was a real growth period but I could see because I love communicating and I love the Lord and I love talking I think radio boom it's it's one of those hits look we went from there to Nova. They changed um, to a different company. Went to Brisbane. We did drive in there for two years. Went back to um, RG Capital, which by that time had become Osterio um, Macquarie. Um, 
and then worked with them, worked f- on a different stream, again, with, with, was networked, moved down to Melbourne uh, at that time. Uh, my co-host Dan really wanted to go there. I wasn't that into it, but we got there. Uh, and then from there, um, an incredible thing happened. I had my son, my wife and I. I mean, we've been married now 26 years, but together 30-odd. And, uh, you know, we were late in the tooth to get a child. And um, once he came along, I was blown away. I call myself a born-again father because it was like, you know, you know, when your kids are born, life comes into the room mm. and that that's tangible. And I was blown away that God had mercy on us for yeah. that. Yeah. And I just felt I don't want to raise my son in this crazy secular world. And to be honest, I, I got into commercial radio to learn about it. I think we'd learned a lot and all we really could do there. Yeah. And I thought, I want to go back into this sector and tell, communicate the life of Christ, but do it well on radio. And, and so I, I remember ringing my friend Burns, who was at the time working at a place called Light FM mm-hmm. in Melbourne, and said, want to come back into the fold. Mm-hmm. Really need to come back in the fold. I've got a son now. I, I want it to be good for him and, and family. I need to start focusing on that. And we started there. I did breakfast there. Did that for about two and a half years and really felt God called me up to 96.5. And here we are. Did drive there for years and now we're doing breakfast. Well, I've been listening to you on 96.5, my hometown, for a number of years. And uh, we've connected a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. But I've really enjoyed to get to know you and the team uh, while we've been here. And, uh, mate, I had just blown away by by the, uh, your testimony, your story. And you know what? The number of amazing people that have come out of New Zealand uh-huh. doing stuff for God, it's incredible. You look at the Australian church and the worldwide church, you know, for, uh, you know, New Zealand really is punching above its weight, bringing guys like you out, you know, changing the world. So, uh, Ken, I reckon you're a history maker, mate. Thanks for joining us. Right back at you, Matt. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we appreciate all of your support. The vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus all over the world. If you've got a suggestion of someone we can interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.